0: You are listening to sermon audio from Fort Myers Community Church. For more information about how to get involved in the life of this church family, please visit www.fmcc.life. Well, we missed you last weekend. Um, My wife and I had the opportunity to go to Arizona. Um, We went uh, for a conference with an organization called Life Song for Orphans. And um, real quick, I just have three major takeaways. One, as believers, we must care for orphans. Um, we must do that. That is what God has called us and invited us to do, so we must care for those who uh, do not have families and parents of their own. Two, we as a church, uh, we must partner with organizations like, like Lo- Life Song for Orphans, uh, like Better Together, um, like uh, the One Child through Southern Baptist. We must partner uh, with organizations that are fighting on the front lines um, of orphan care um, through uh, foster care through adoption through wraparound families and all those things and the third thing is I do hope and pray that the Lord calls me to be your pastor for a very very long time but if God calls me anywhere else I'm going to Arizona so those are the three Um, you know Traveling to Arizona isn't easy, um, so we have to take a plane to get there, and um, this was a little bit of a different trip for my wife and I. So uh, just a little disclaimer, because a lot of you do know me, some of you don't, so I want to just preface this, um, little disclaimer, uh, that we, since we're a church plant, we've been around for a few years now, and um, we don't have a budget for trips, so most churches will have a budget to send their pastors on these conferences and trips. We don't have that here. Um, so Lifesong graciously um, brought Lauren and I out there, uh, and they paid for our room board out there. And then my in-laws graciously bought us our plane tickets. Um, And so as a pastor, I'm a co-vocational pastor. I have a job outside of this church. Um, We uh, don't expect the church to send us on these kinds of trips right now um, as we're growing. And so uh, we are headed out there um, through the graciousness of Lifesong and my in-laws. That said, um, Lauren and I did something that we've never done before, which was we flew first class. Um, And so that's why the disclaimer, I didn't want you to think that your tithing goes to me sitting in first class. Um, My in-laws bought our tickets, um, and so we get there. And uh, it's amazing because uh, it's a completely different experience going throughout this whole thing. It it really, um, the goal shifts from just getting there to actually enjoying everything that first class has to offer. So first they come on to like the loudspeaker and they're like, if you're uh, sitting in first class, we would like to hold your hand and skip down the jetway with you. Uh, And so you go down this jetway, uh, no one's around. Then you sit in, so we're seat 2A and C because there's no B, right? So there's no one between us, we have all this extra room. And um, then they come to you immediately and offer you a drink which you don't have to wait for the beverage service, like so they come out with these drinks, since we're ordering drinks, Lauren and I are giggling like little schoolgirls because we've never experienced this in flying before, um, and then they come out with a bowl of hot nuts. We don't get a bag of nuts, they heated our nuts up, right, and then gave them to us, we're sitting there, and we're, la- we're like exploring like the whole area, we're like pulling all the compartments in and out, People are judging us. Every single person coming on the plane is like, they don't belong here, right? And we're like taking selfies and we're like just having a blast um, and enjoying it. And uh, it really did seem like um, every American Airlines employee existed to please us. That's what it seemed like. It seemed like every employee that was there existed to please us and make sure we had everything that we wanted. Um, on the airplane we uh, were able to watch movies and I watched Top Gun Maverick. Any Top Gun Maverick fans? Yeah, okay. Uh, If you haven't seen it, I would put it definitely in my top five. Great movie. Um, And in Top Gun Maverick, there is what you see as an aircraft carrier. Does everybody know what an aircraft carrier is? So I think I have some pictures. So there's a plane um, and then let's switch over to the aircraft carrier. So um, this is an aircraft carrier and This aircraft carrier is prepared for battle. That's why it exists. Um, This right here is the USS Ford. There's about 4,500 people that serve, crew that serve uh, on the USS Ford, uh, 75 planes. And um, there are no spectators on an aircraft carrier. There are no passengers There is not one person on this aircraft carrier that would exist, if you were on the aircraft carrier, they would not exist to serve you. But you would be on the aircraft carrier to serve the mission and the vision that the aircraft carrier has, that the captain has. Those are very different things. Flying first class on a plane and serving on an aircraft carrier. God has called you He's enlisted you to join his crew, his family, on his aircraft carrier. And there are no place, there is no place for passengers and consumers. God has not predestined you and adopted you and called you to sit in first class with your feet up, wanting everybody to wait on you hand and foot. There's a war. There's a battle one with eternal ramifications. And he's enlisted you not to sit and watch, but to fulfill a role that he has equipped and empowered you to do. And that's what we're gonna be reading today in God's word about his mission, the role we play, and the battle we are in. So I'm gonna pray for us, then I wanna read his word again to us because it is so important for us to understand that God has not bought us a first-class plane ticket for us to sit with our feet up eating hot nuts, but for us to join his mission to reach every man, woman, and child with his good news, his gospel. Let's pray. Jesus, we love you. Thank you for your word. Thank you for the testimony of these uh, five young adults, young people, God, that have claimed that you have stirred in their heart in such a way that they will profess before their church and their parents and their families that you are their Lord and Savior. God, you have invited them into your mission. You have invited us into your mission to reach and share how much you love us and want a relationship with us. And so, God, I pray that our hearts and our minds would be open I know that there are people coming in here this morning that are um, hurting, they're broken, they're they're questioning, they're doubting. And I pray this morning that their faith would be renewed by the power of your Holy Spirit. We love you. It's in your name that we pray. Amen. So Paul is coming into a section here. We've been walking through this since the beginning of the year. We've been walking through the book of ephesians paul is sitting in a prison and he is wanting to articulate something to the ephesian church this is a young church and he's trying to rally the troops and help them understand why they exist what they exist for and he gets to this section in chapter 4 and i think tim did such a fantastic job last week walking us through the verses that came before this there's one body one spirit just as you were called to one hope that belongs to the call that you to which you have been called And so so we were looking at that last week, and now we're coming into this passage where it starts talking about what God has invited us to participate in. So we're going to break this down if you're a note taker in three things, God's mission, our role, and the battle, and all that surrounds these things. So first we see God's mission to redeem all things through the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus by faith alone alone. Through grace alone. Those coming up for baptism this morning aren't up here because they earned it. They aren't up here because they accomplished something. They are up here by grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone. And so God has a mission. So we see in verse 1 in chapter 4. That Paul urges the church, he says, to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you have been called. A few weeks ago, we looked at how that, those words there can be confusing because it can seem a little workspace. It can seem like you have to live your life worthy in order for God to love you, but that's not how it's written. Worthily is axis. It means centered. Live your life means to comprehensively rotate around. So you believer need to rotate your life around the axis the firm foundation which is Christ. That's how we are to live. So Paul has already set the foundation to say you if you've placed your faith in Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, have a center. And that center is not your circumstances, and that center is not other people. That center is Jesus, his life, his death, his resurrection. That's the center of your life. And your calling is to rotate your life around that, to comprehensively walk around the idea that it is finished. God accomplished everything you needed for him to accomplish on the cross. Centered. And then he goes on in verse 4. Why? Because you were called to one hope. Jesus is the only hope that we have in this world. And what we've done is we've tried to create a kingdom on earth, these little fortresses that we call gated communities and homes, and we try to protect them, and then a storm comes and washes them away. This world is not our home. This world is not the kingdom to which we are to put all of our hope, our faith, and our dreams in. He says, you've been called to one hope, and that one hope is that Jesus is our only hope. That's the hope. He is the only hope in this world. So when things go left and when things go right, when, when turbulence happens, I was sitting on the plane, and uh, there was at one point, like, the the the... Fasten seatbelt sign comes on after a while of being in the air and you're like, uh-oh, right? You hear that ding-dong, right? And then you, you, so you, they say, put your seatbelt on and I'm thinking the whole time, God, don't give me an analogy here. Like, I don't want this, right? I don't want there to be turbulence for the rest of this trip, but that's that's life. Turbulence happens. This world is not our hope. Jesus is our hope. For how long? How long do we, Do we keep our lives centered on Jesus? How long do we have Him as our hope? Look at verse 13. Until we all attain the unity of faith and the knowledge of the Son of God. We all long for this. We should all long for eternity where there will be no more tears no more hurting, no more pain, no more hurricanes, no more pandemics, no more financial ups and downs, no more interest rate hikes, whatever it may be. Like our hope, our eyes should be fixed and focused on eternity until the unity of the faith and the knowledge of the Son of God. Every human, every human, whether you believe they are or not, let me say that, let me preface this. Every human is made in the image of God. And it doesn't matter if you believe that they're beyond saving. It doesn't matter if you don't like them. It doesn't matter if they annoy you, like the person in your HOA that just you know, continually gives you a hard time, your neighbor next door that's telling you to pressure, off your, pressure wash your roof, right? Whoever it may be, like, that, that they are created in the image of God to be known and loved by God and to know and love God. And so God's mission is for every man, woman, and child. The mission is for all believers to make the name of Jesus known, to tell everyone around us, whether we like them or not, that Jesus loves them and wants a relationship with them. Now, look at verses 9 and 10 because I think this is important, because I think when we read this, it can be a little confusing. I'm going to start actually in verse 8. It says, Therefore it says, When he ascended on high, he led a host of captives, and he gave gifts to men. In saying he ascended, what does it mean that he had also descended into the lower regions, the earth? He who descended is the one who also ascended far above the heavens, that he might fulfill all things. Now, Some have taken this to mean or understand that when Jesus died and was buried, he descended into hell, and he stayed there for the days that he was dead, and then he defeated death, hell, and the grave, and when he rose again, he rose up out of hell, defeating death, hell, and the grave. There are some that believe that. And there are some passages that you can go to in, uh, in 1 Peter or 2 Peter um, and some proof texts that people will use to talk about that. There are some confessions that maybe if you grew up Catholic, you would have recited over and over again. Um, there are some confessions even in the Protestant faith that have, um, that he was buried, died, um, went to hell, and then rose again. And so you may, so I know this is confusing for some of you. You're like, I've never heard that before. Um, but all I want to say is this. When we're reading this passage, because I've done extensive study in this, and I agree with a lot of the commentators, Um, that this is actually not the text that I would go to to talk about that or try to even prove that. Um, What this is saying, it says that he descended to the lower regions, the earth. I think we forget sometimes that Jesus existed before he was born. Jesus always existed. Jesus is God. And and I want to say this because I think sometimes we think that one day he just showed up But all the way back in the beginning, we say in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth, right? We see that there was something that was spoken and then the earth came into existence. Then we take that over to the book of John where it says in the beginning was the word, right? The spoken word, mountains, animals, seas. In the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God. And the word came down to earth, wrapped himself in human flesh so he could be the light and the life of men. I'm not trying to confuse this so we can dive in deeper in our community groups and in our Bible studies, but what I want you to understand is that Jesus always has been, and it is through his word we see in Colossians, Ephesians, Galatians, that that he spoke, that Jesus is the one who created. All things were created through him and by him and for him. And so I think it's important when we're looking at this text that we're understanding and wrapping our minds around the fact that we're talking about serving him and praising him and worshiping him. Why? Because he stepped out of eternity. He stepped out of perfection. He stepped out of being worshiped day in and day out and wrapped himself in this. Anybody at the age where your body's starting to hurt constantly? You ever go for a walk and start losing your breath? Jesus did that. For all of eternity, he didn't. And then one day, he wrapped himself in flesh. And not only did he do that, but there was an eternal relationship between God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit that we can't even wrap our minds around. For eternity past to eternity future, God has always existed in perfect perfect unity and relationship. And Jesus stepped out of that for you, and you, and you, and you, and you. He stepped out of that, and then there was a point where he allowed, knowingly, for that relationship to be severed. Between God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit for you. Don't miss, when we're reading passages like this, how important it means for to say that he ascended, but it also, by saying he ascended back up to heaven, it also means that he descended. Jesus came so you and I can have life. So, when we start talking about his mission, we start talking about what we've been invited to to be a part of, to share that good news with every man, woman, and child, we're saying that there is a God who loves us. In this season, you may have lost your fence, you may have lost your roof, you may have lost your home, all of your belongings. There is a lot that is going on right now in the lives of the people of Southwest Florida. Your communities have been decimated. That's not the biggest problem you will ever face in your entire life. The biggest problem we will ever face is that there is an eternal separation between God and man because of sin. And that eternal separation was only overcome by Jesus himself, God himself, wrapped in human flesh, descending to us, coming to us. That's what we're about to prepare for in Advent. We're waiting on the Lord, the birth of our Savior, our Lord Jesus Christ. He came to reconcile all things. So even though in life we experience pain, hurt, and even death, our hope is in Jesus. He is what we put our faith, hope, and trust in. That's what they're talking about in here. That's why they're going under the water to represent being baptized, going down with Jesus into death and then being raised up into the newness of life. That's the beauty that we are talking about here. So when we go and share with our neighbors, we're not just telling him, hey, be a good person, come to church. We are telling them that there has been an eternal separation between them and a holy God and God loves them enough to come on their behalf to restore the relationship that they never could. So the mission is for us to make the name of Jesus known because he overcame the hardest, most difficult, worst thing we will ever experience, which is a separation from our Father. And what he requires is for us to just bring our sin and lay it at his feet and for us to say, I believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God and my Lord and Savior. So if you're here today, and you're like, man, I don't even know how to start walking with the Lord, profess what these kids professed. Look to Jesus and let us walk with you on how and what that means to enter into a relationship with him. So that's God's mission, and he gives us a role. So he invites us to join his mission to seek and save the lost. So look at verse 8. When he ascended, so when he finally Uh, is transfigured and leaves and goes up to heaven he sends his Holy Spirit we see in the book of Acts and he gives gifts to men he doesn't just ask us to do something but then he also equips us to do it and I think that's really important for us to understand and wrap our minds around he gives us one leadership look at verse 11 he gives us the apostles the prophets the evangelists the shepherds and the teachers to do what? not to be uh, an American Airlines stewardess uh, waiting on you hand and foot, but to equip you to do the work of the ministry. Look at verse 12. He gave the, or look, Start in verse 11. He gave the apostles, prophets, evangelists, shepherds, and teachers to equip the saints, that's you, if you profess faith in Jesus, for the work of the ministry, for the building up of the body of Christ. So that looks like when the hurricane happens, And a ton of you rally together to go over people's houses to cut down tree limbs and pull out sheet rocks. Or a ton of you come here and we hand out hundreds of meal boxes and kits and waters to people within our community. It looks like us throwing a fall fest that's not run by the staff members, but run by volunteers from the church where over 500 people came to the fall fest. Like, think about that. Like, the amount of impact that we get to have on our community around us in a season where they're not going out and celebrating anything. They get to come to a place and experience the love of Jesus. Like, that's because there are people within our church that rally together that were equipped to do the work of the ministry. And our hope, most of all, is to equip you to share the gospel with your neighbors and your coworkers and your friends, not to just invite people to church, Often what you hear is, hey, tell people to come here so then the pastor can tell them about Jesus. We want to be the type of church that is equipping you to tell your neighbors, your friends, and your coworkers who Jesus is to you and what he's done for you. The pastors, the elders, the leaders, the staff exist to equip you to do the work of the ministry. The work of the ministry is to make Jesus' name great. You've been called to be a part of his crew, to move forward his mission, to be one, to be united, to love, serve, care, and build the church. And I want to make something very clear. You are not the ship, you are not the captain, and you are not the engine. You're one of the crew. I mean, we can come up with all sorts of analogies, right? Well, the captain is Jesus, and the ship is the word of God, and the engine is the Holy Spirit. Okay, we can go there. What I'm saying is, is you're not that. I'm not that. We're part of his crew to do what the captain says. So our role is to trust in the strength of the boat that he's placed us on and the wisdom of the captain and serve whatever mission he calls us and invites us to do. And the battle is real. The battle around us is real. And I think often as believers, we don't spend enough time talking and thinking about the fact that we are in a battle. Often we're sitting there just you know eating the, the meals that they bring out in first class, versus actually realizing that there's something going on around us that's bigger than us. Why does God want us to be equipped, mature, to experience the fullness of Christ? Look at verse 14, "So that we may no longer be children, tossed to and fro by the waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning, by craftiness and deceitful schemes. There is a storm all around us. There is a battle. The Bible says that the devil comes to steal, to kill, and to destroy. And all the people around you, the devil is hard after to continue to keep them from believing in Jesus. And God has placed you in their life to bring his light and his good news into their lives. The weather will change. Hardship, pain, sadness. And one of the things I think we have to understand is that weather will affect both an airplane and an aircraft carrier. But in an airplane, it just really impacts your own convenience and how you white knuckle and hold on and be scared. But the weather against an aircraft carrier only fuels the mission to push forward because the team comes and rallies around and unites together to, what did the pirates say, batten down the hatches. Arg, right? The, the family comes together to unify. These are very different things. The weather will affect both of those. We've not been called to be on a plane. We've been called to be on an aircraft carrier. God has placed us in his aircraft carrier. So let us serve his mission to seek and save the lost. Amen? Can I pray for us? Jesus, I am so thankful to be a part of a church that is loving and serving you within this community God, I love um, over the last few years where you have brought us as a church. Not because of anything that we have done, but by your grace. And God, I do pray that we would be the type of church that if we ceased to exist, the community around us would miss us. God, I want to thank you for um, Sanibel Community Church who gets to meet here on Sunday nights and what a blessing they've been to our church family. Um, God, I want to pray for all the churches in our area um, like Beach Baptist and um, and Sanibel Community and uh, all the churches that have been gravely and greatly impacted by uh, Hurricane Ian, Lord, the people that have lost their homes, the people that are still scrambling and trying to figure out insurance and what's going to happen and, and jobs that have been destroyed. God, I pray that our mission would not just stop with giving out some food boxes, but that we would be the type of church that has a long-term mission, not only to meet physical needs, but also to go out and help our community understand who Jesus is and what Jesus has done for them in spite of their circumstances. God, I pray that for us in this church that our lives would not be defined by our circumstances, but our lives would be defined on the sure foundation of Jesus Christ by faith alone through grace alone. And I pray if there's anybody here today that has not made a profession of faith, God, I pray that your spirit, Lord, right now, Holy Spirit, come. Holy Spirit, stir within us a passion for you and to serve you an understanding and a wisdom and a discernment on how to share your good news with our neighbors, with our coworkers, with our friends, and with our family. Holy Spirit, we pray now that you would move mightily in this place, not to grow an organization, but to grow our hearts and our minds that we would be united, that we would be one, and that we would serve your mission to seek and save the lost. God, we will mourn in this world, but we do not mourn as those without hope. We mourn knowing that there will be a day that we will see you face to face. There will be a day that every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that you are Lord. There will be a day that you will wipe away every tear, every hurt, every pain, every body ache, every sickness, every storm. So Lord, I pray for the faith and the trust that we need to endure. Thank you, Lord your word that you have given us that we get to sit and read and fall more in love with you with I pray we would be passionate Lord to open up your word and hear from you directly I pray Lord that you would stir in us desires to meet with other believers to live in biblical community to challenge one another that it wouldn't just be one of the things that we do in our busy lives, but that would be the thing that we most look forward to. Because one day, all we will be doing is worshiping you for all of eternity. And I pray that we would look forward to that day with anticipation. Thank you, Lord, for coming to us living the life that we could never live, dying the death we couldn't die, and raising again so that we can have the newness and the fullness of life. We love you. We lift this up in your name. Amen.